It's my privilege to speak to you on this first Sunday of the rest of your lives. It's not just the first Sunday of the year. I think the Lord wants us to think more widely than that. A little while ago, one of my lovely granddaughters was married and moved out and I happened to be in her bedroom soon after she had gone and I noticed behind the door a handmade plaque which obviously she'd forgotten to take with her. And it said, the decisions I make today will echo throughout eternity. That's worth thinking about. The ripple effect is amazing. And the things we do on any given day don't finish that day. They have an effect on, on other, other lives. I, I, want to, I want to share with you what the Lord and I have been talking about over the last few weeks. He has been challenging me to, to reconsider my stewardship. Challenging me to assess what I am doing with the opportunities and the privileges that he presents to me. And as, I've, as I have chewed this over, uh, a sort of motto has developed in four sections. And there are scriptures attached to each one. And uh, I know that some of you take notes and write down references. But there are so many references today, it's, it's pretty much a stringing together of scriptures. There are so many references today that I've printed them all out for you and you'll find these sheets on the back, back table uh, or the front table, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, please feel free to take one if you want to think over again uh, what, we, what has been presented to us. And behind all my thinking has been that matter of stewardship and attached to that, the concept of us not being our own. The Apostle Paul says, you were bought with a price. And he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. The picture that impressed me most as I was challenged to think about my stewardship uh, comes from Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 14, verses 3 to 9. And I've asked our brother uh, Rob Humphrey to read that scripture to us, Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nerd. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Wow, it could have been sold for more than a year's salary. And the money then given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. 
Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want to. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, Throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. May God bless us really. Thank you, Rob. So we have there the picture of this lady doing a loving deed and being criticised for it. And Jesus explained his interpretation of what she had done. Said that, as was the custom in those days, a body that was going to be buried was anointed and she was doing it early. And the words in this record that, that have gripped me were, she has done what she could. She loved him. She didn't want to lose him. She didn't want him to die. But she couldn't prevent his dying. However, she did what she could. And that is what my Lord wants of me, to do what I can. And that is what he wants of us, to do what we can. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about how wonderfully the churches in Macedonia had responded to the appeal to send relief to the suffering Christians in and near Jerusalem, he said of the Macedonian Christians, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They did what they could and they even extended their generosity to the extent that it, it jeopardised their livelihood. They did what they could. Do I do what I can? Do you do what you can? Sometimes what we think we can do doesn't seem much. But does what we can do get done? Or does what we can do get left undone because it seems unworthy, an unworthy contribution? Never let the feeling that what we can do is small prevent our doing what we can do. I remember a situation in one of my early churches, my first city church actually, uh, when one of, the, one of the deacons was having a real problem with depression. And by the way, please don't say to me, if they're right with the Lord, they'll never get depressed. Depression can be caused by chemical things over which we have no control. <coughs> and uh, this was a godly man. His relationship with God was right, but he had this problem and uh, he, he had a, an important position in an insurance company. He was at one stage uh, chairman of one of the departments of the Baptist Union of Queensland, but now he was suffering from depression. 
And I didn't want to visit him because I felt there was so little I could do. I, I guess I've always tried to be a student of human personalities and relationships and so on, but, but I've never been a, uh, a psychiatric student. And, and I just didn't really want to go, but I knew I should go and visit him. And we prayed, and I shared scripture, and we talked. I listened, there were patches of silence, and I guess I might have showed some, some sort of apology in my tone when I said that I would go. And he said something like, Bob, treating my problem is out of your league, we both know that, but you've really encouraged me. You've shown me that you care, you have done all you could. Friends, let us never fail to do what we can because what we think we can do is so small. We could talk about Jesus' parable of the talents and how disappointed the master was when he came back and one servant hadn't done what he could. We could talk about the Apostle Paul speaking of the church as a body with many parts, uh, each of which has a function, and how the function of the body will be impaired if the function of the individual parts is not done, however insignificant that might be. And I just want to thank and I want to commend the members of this congregation for the way so many of you step in when you see that something needs to be done even menial tasks. Thank you, God bless you for the way you do that. You are doing what you can. And so the first part of what I'm thinking of as my motto from here on is to do all we can. To do all we can. There's a lot we can't do, but our Lord wants us to do all we can. And secondly, I believe he wants us to do all we can as well as we can. Sometimes there is a tendency in church circles to think that second rate is good enough for the church. I have seen people donate shabby items to the church because those items were no longer good enough for their home. They've bought new items for their home, but the old one was good enough for the church. Anything we do for our Lord should be done as well as we can. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that rules out second-rate standards. And he wrote to the Colossians, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that rules out second-rate standards. And in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said that he had instructed them earlier in how to live to please God. But he says, you are doing that. You are doing that. So what? Sit back, rest on their laurels? No. He goes on and says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And then in the same chapter, he writes, now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. So 
What now? Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. The challenge that comes to me, and I believe the challenge that will come to us, is however well I am doing, can I do better? And if so, I should. Nothing is too good for the master who bought us, the one who owns us, the one who by his grace has provided the way of salvation for us. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes, amongst a number of other verses that are pretty hard to get our head around sometimes. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, <coughs> do it with all your might. With all your might, as well as you can. And, and there is a further aspect to this, as well as I can clause, We are not doing all we can, as well as we can, if we are doing it for recognition, if we're doing it for prestige, if we're doing it for human praise. My understanding of how our Lord assesses and values what we do is not that it is so much based on, is not based so much on, on the outward act, but the intention the motivation of the act. He sees our inner motivation for what we do. He said that when we give to charity, that is giving to meet the needs of the needy, that we should do it quietly. He actually used the words in secret. Not in a way that will draw attention or human credit. And do you remember that when the apostles that when the disciples saw people casting their money in the temple treasury, there was a poor widow who cast in what probably would be the equivalent of a, a couple of cents now. She had virtually nothing. But he said to, that, oh, he, he said to those, those disciples, that woman has given more than all these others. You see, the, the, the hypocritical Pharisees very often waited until a, a trumpet was sounded to draw people's attention and then they would put their large amount of money in the treasury for human praise and thanks. And what I'm trying to say here is that we are not doing all we can as well as we can if we are doing it for human recognition. And before we leave this second part of what I'm calling my motto, do we realise why we are to do all we can, as well as we can. It is because then we are being what Jesus called the light of the world. And then we are being what Paul calls Christians becoming blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which we shine as lights in the universe. And we are being what the Apostle Peter calls a light shining in a dark place. And don't we need more lights shining in this dark place which is our world today? And that light is the brighter when it is seen that we are doing all we can as well as we can, not for our credit and glory, but for God's, for the blessing of others and for the glory of God. And so firstly, as people who are bought with a price, 
let us do all we can, as well as we can, and thirdly, for as many as we can. In the picture presented in Matthew 25, which is sometimes referred to as the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus pictures the king showing quite unmistakably to whom we are to do good. Let me read a couple of those verses. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And Jesus pictures those whom the Father called blessed, asking, when did we see you in these situations and minister to your needs? And the answer, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now how can we sort of paraphrase and, and apply that? in terms of the way this, this motto is developing, do all you can as well as you can for as many as you can. One of our Lord's best known parables is that of the Good Samaritan and you will know it well. It was told by Jesus to answer the question of a legal expert, who is my neighbour to whom I am or whom I am to love as well as I love myself? And this parable provides what is a beautiful example of what we might call opportunistic love. You know, we hear of opportunistic crime, don't we? Well, someone didn't go out intending to commit a crime, but he saw someone's handbag left on a counter and he grabbed it and went because the opportunity was there. Well, the Good Samaritan in this example did not, did not set out to save that man who was battered and robbed that day. He was on his journey and uh, the need was there and he was equal to the task and he grasped the opportunity to show love. And Jesus' closing words to that man who asked, who is the neighbour to whom I am to show love? said, you go and do likewise. On Monday afternoon of this week I was in the area of Mount Gravatt. <clears throat> and some of you know our sister um, Dulcie Forno and some of you have maintained contact with her and I try to, she was a great friend of my wife's and, and uh, I maintain contact with her when I can so I called in and she told me about an experience she had had recently in which she was in a supermarket and she saw a lady having trouble moving her husband, I don't know whether it was out of a wheelchair onto another seat or out of a seat into the wheelchair, well, but anyhow, this woman was having trouble and so Dulcie went over and, and helped her. And the woman thanked her and as Dulcie walked away, she, she just felt a, 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 a strange and inexplicable bond with this woman. And she wanted to do something more for her. And there was a florist shop nearby. And she went in and asked if she could buy just one rose. And so she bought this rose, they wrapped it in cellophane and she went to the lady and said, I just feel that I want to give you this. They talked 
she found that the lady was a Christian. And wait for it. She's now a member of the same church, the Mansfield Baptist Church, where Dulcie came from to here. That was opportunistic love. Those to whom our Lord wants us to do good are simply those with a need with whom he brings us in contact. 1 Timothy 5.8 says that our relatives are amongst those to whom we are to do good. 1 Peter 2.19 says our masters, that is our employers, are amongst those to whom we are to do good and that passage even says especially so when they're not watching. And Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And in Romans 12.20, are you ready for this? Paul says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. There's no better way of getting rid of enemies than making friends of them. And so, firstly, do all we can, as well as we can, for as many as we can. And the fourth, fourth part is, for as long as we can. And some of you are looking at me, and you know my age, and you're saying, oh yes, Bob, you probably haven't got all that long to go, so... It's natural that you'd be thinking about doing things, do, doing what you can as, for as long as you can. Well, that's true. I, I do want to do as, long as, as much as I can for as long as I can. But don't we all want to do what we can, as well as we can, to as many as we can, for as long as we can? There is more to this as long as you can aspect than our age. There are people who die in the prime of life. There are people who are healthy when they leave for work in the morning and they don't come home at night. There are people who lose those to whom they could have ministered because those people are taken out of this scene. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.13, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And James wrote, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he goes on to say, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And in Matthew chapter 24, he says, keep watch. You do not know on what day your Lord will come. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Friends, for as long as you can, doesn't just apply to people of my age. It doesn't apply only to people of mature years. For as long as you can, 
applies to us all, whatever our age, simply because none of us knows for how long we can. The Christian church has never been persecuted as severely as it is in this generation and it has never been as severely criticised as it is in this generation. And the best advertisement for Christianity and for the, Christ, the true Christian church is lives that are lived the way the Lord wants us to live. Let me close with a couple of verses from 1 Peter chapter 2. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Before we sing our closing song, I want to give you the opportunity of just being silent for a minute and telling God what you're going to do about what he's said to you from his word this morning. Just spend a few moments in silence and speak to the Lord about your response. Lord, your word has challenged us this morning to do as much as we can, as well as we can, for as many as we can, and for as long as we can. And we ask you now to please accept our wholehearted response to what you have said to us from your word today for the blessing of others and for the glory of your name. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.